0: The primary care podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast, produced in my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Hey, everybody. Real quick, you'll notice on this episode before we get started that the audio quality jumps a little bit differently. Uh, in the process of recording multiple sections of this podcast, we did switch microphones, so things sound a little different. Sorry in advance for a little bit of a different sounding podcast at certain points of this episode. Uh, We'll get it fixed for the next one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because there's a pretty good chance you're already behind schedule. And welcome back to the pot, everybody. Uh, In today's episode, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics that I talk about with medical students and with patients who bring it up, and that is the difference between relative risk reduction and absolute risk reduction. Um, I know everyone hates statistics, I know that most people like to uh, nap through that part of board review and uh, try to get by without it, Uh, but this is a really important topic when we talk about how the popular media interprets recent research studies as as you know that happens a lot Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of different major research studies that have come out in the past several weeks and talk about how the media got it so so very wrong and how that really misleads our patients i'm bringing up these topics because i've had specific patients either portal or talk about it in clinic about research studies that they've seen or read about. So how do we address this and what do we do about this? So last week, this study, it's brought to my attention, uh, a patient portals, uh, people have actually use the portal, surprise, surprise. Uh, But I have a patient, an older gentleman and his wife, uh, who messaged me on the portal, talking about an article they read about the link between one of his medications, uh, which was an anticholinergic drug, Uh, specifically it was for his bladder issues, uh, and the risk for dementia. Now, this patient and his wife are nervous about his mild cognitive impairment, which he already has, and they don't want to use any medications that could make things worse. But I want you to go through this article with me because this comes from CNN.com, right? The bastion of all uh, good medical reporting that we see. Uh, you know, they're pretty garbage when they talk about medical reporting, but here's the, here's the headline. Commonly prescribed drugs are tied to nearly 50% higher dementia risk in older adults. Now, this is a true statement when you actually read the JAMA article from the JAMA Internal Medicine article uh, about the risk for anticholinergic drugs and the risk of dementia. In the study, they looked at people over a 10-year period uh, who were on anticholinergics versus people that were not, and were taking them for at least three years. And the relative risk increase for dementia was, in fact, 50%. But here, by itself, when we talk about what does 50% increased risk actually mean, that makes a big difference for patients, because... For an individual patient sure they might read that 50 percent and say oh great i need to stop all my medicines because i'm i'm nearly doubling my risk of dementia here by or greatly increasing my risk of dementia by taking my medications but in reality the absolute risk of developing dementia is only three percent so the absolute risk reduction of not taking all these medications to help with all these symptom control and uh, and, and a, a ton of other really helpful medications that fall under the anticholinergic umbrella we only saw a 3% actual absolute risk reduction for the individual patient now that doesn't seem like a lot 50% sounds like a ton from a relative risk standpoint you know going from 9% down to 6% that 50% reduction seems like a ton of reduction but in reality if only if we talk about it in terms of absolute risk reduction, you know, and number needed to treats or number needed to harms, we talk about a completely different ball game. So again, this is something where I have to take the time. I have to look at the study that she's talking about. I need to go back and read about it and then do the math to figure it out. And, and really this is all CNN's fault uh, for really crappy reporting and talking about relative risk reductions of absolute risk reductions. And the, second article i want to bring up is near and dear to my heart uh, just because of some of the misscience science and governmental mistrust that is associated with it and that's the uh, weed killer roundup glyphosate now this is not a surprise if you've heard me go off on this before but there's a large again similar to the anti-vaccination but anti-science part of the country that wants to sensationalize and say that everything is terrible and bad and and going to cause cancer and everything's awful now i'm going to again pick on my dear friend cnn for their amazing medical reporting news here and we're going to talk about an article and i want to read you the headline the article begins glyphosate an herbicide that remains the world's most ubiquitous weed killer raises the cancer risk of those exposed to it by 41 percent I mean, wow. Wow. This article says in the first sentence that Roundup increases your cancer risk by 41%. Now, if you read this and you are a layperson who has no statistical background, no scientific background, and that's the first sentence you read, you are going to assume that if I go out and use Roundup in my yard, if I am exposed to Roundup in my food down the chain, if Roundup was used in the in the uh, the plant material for which my food is based on, that I'm going to have a forty percent increased risk of cancer just from that just from that sentence. Talk about irresponsible journalism. What does the study actually say? Well, the study says that very high levels and prolonged exposures to glyphosate's in weed control applicators so patients who spend their entire lives working with these chemicals and who are at the highest quartile of exposures do have an increased risk for non-hodgkins lymphoma not any other cancer not any other cancer but non-hodgkins lymphoma so and what is that risk well it is a 41 percent risk well i think knowing the overall value or Overhaul likelihood of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is really important in this case, and it doesn't say that anywhere in the CNN article. So, when we look at the number of new cases of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's about one, one point nine, per ten thousand men and women per year. So again, very, 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 very uncommon, but it does happen. When we look at what this would cause, this would cause about a forty-one percent relative risk increase. So make that 2% up to about 2.8% per 10,000 patients. And what does that mean for your average patient? Well, nothing. Unless your patient is a groundskeeper or works for a yard care service that's exposed to these chemicals all day, every day for most of their career, this study means nothing. But if you look at this, if you read the article, that's not what the article is telling patients. The article is telling patients that if you are exposed to Roundup, you have a 41 percent increased risk of cancer. And this is how pseudoscience starts. And this is how the people like the Mercola's of the world and these natural paths get into people's brains. They get into their Facebook feeds. They get into their conscious about this is these chemicals that these doctors are saying are not bad are actually bad for you. They're wrong. We're right. And this is the kind of garbage that our patients are being exposed to. And it doesn't help when people aren't scientifically literate. And it helps even less when people are trying to be scientifically literate. They're trying to stay up to date on the most common and most popular medical news of the day. And yet they're being misled by major journalism sites. So what can we do? Well, patient by patient, we have to take them back. We have to reclaim the scientific integrity, and and use absolute risk reduction. Now, you ask, with that study, what was the absolute risk reduction of avoiding uh, Roundup compared to being exposed to Roundup chronically? The absolute risk reduction is less than 0.1% risk of developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So being exposed to Roundup all day, every day, increases your risk of developing cancer in actuality by 0.1% less than that probably. So it's hard for me to really say anything good about any medical reporting when we get this kind of garbage clickbaity headline stuff. So how'd we do today? Enjoy what you're listening to? Any suggestions on topics for the podcast or recommendations of articles, please send them to me at primarycarepod at gmail.com. That's all one word, primarycarepod at gmail.com. We'll also take any comments, questions, or concerns about the episode. If you want me to read your comment or question on the next episode, I can certainly throw them in. Please include whether you want that comment or question to be anonymous or credited with your name. And so we'll wrap up another episode saying thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. This has been Dr. Mark List reminding you you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great day.